Coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. I was born and raised Catholic, went to an all-boys Catholic high school, lived across from the Catholic church. The priest used to come over and drink uh, whiskey with my dad. <laughs> and I got called in the office, you know, two days later, saying that, you know, I don't mind you having an opinion, but be careful as an up-and-coming leader in the church that in the middle of Bible study, don't challenge me to senior pastor in front of everyone. They don't believe in having female pastors, and I disagree with that. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill, one. you got to have one a nope. token black person. A token and there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we come to you this morning in the precious name of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for blessing our health and our strength and blessing our families, God. God, just thank you for just covering us and all the things that you've done in our lives globally, corporationally, and personally, God. God, thank you for my wife and my children and my family. And just thank you for my friend Bill as you allowed us to go hand in hand, walking in faith with this podcast and the many, many great guests that we get to talk with God. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray and believe. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for bringing uh, Pastor Cranford uh, into our my life. Uh, she's a wife, a mom, a pastor, uh, and a hope writer. Uh, she has a great story to share with our audience. Uh, and Lord, just thank you for my friend Odell, and bless our families as we go through this day. Amen. Gracious God, we are truly grateful for how you walk with us in the hills and valleys of life. We ask that you would fill this sacred space with the power of your Spirit, bless our time together with your presence, and lead us beyond the walls of our churches, our homes, and our workplaces to serve you in our neighborhoods, our nation, and our world. May we always do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you, our Redeemer and Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor Cranford, or would you rather be referred to as April? Either is fine. I answer to both. <laughs> okay. Well, let me just give the our folks a little background on you. Uh, you're a pastor at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Waynesboro, Virginia. Uh, you're a wife, a mom, a hope writer. You have a blog. I met you uh, through a mutual friend, but also you uh, had my wife as one of your uh, bloggies, I guess that's called. 
uh, as one of the guests. And uh, and then uh, I saw you at an event uh, a few weeks ago, and we started talking, and it made sense for you to come on our show and talk about your background and uh, with Odell and myself. Well, thank you all for having me on the show, and it has been great to connect with you uh, through your lovely wife, Dory. Thank you. Thank you. Well, why don't we start out with how you became a pastor? Well, uh, since the age of 19, I'm now 43, uh, I have served in many roles in the church. And at that time, I don't know why this church hired me, because I see uh, my child at age 15 approaching 19. I cannot believe I was a youth director in charge of teenagers. <laughs> uh, but God bless them. They trusted me, and I just grew in my faith alongside these young people. And the pastor at the time had just graduated from seminary. He was a second career pastor. He was an editor of a newspaper prior to that. And every so often he would just give me these brochures for Union Presbyterian Seminary and said, you know, I would encourage you to hear God's voice. I believe that you need to be in the ministry full time. And I am so grateful that I had that encouragement because I know there are many women in many denominations that never hear that encouragement to go into full-time ministry. So I was a education major at Appalachian State University, and what really did it was my internship at a school where I had my youth group there. I could not talk to them about God in the hallways, but I could pray with them on Sundays. So... I decided that I wanted to be in the ministry and uh, left that job and about a year and a half later went into the seminary in Charlotte. And from that point, I've been a mission director, associate pastor, and now a solo pastor at Westminster. And of those 24 years, I've been an ordained pastor for 13 of them. Throughout many of those years, I would say that I'm often the first female clergy that many folks here, uh, pray at a luncheon or officiate a funeral, and I often see at these occasions of um, ministry that there are these little girls in the crowd, and they look at me, and I look at them, and I just keep showing up in ministry, despite some of the rejections I have faced over the years for those little girls in the crowd and for my teenage girls in the house. I do believe that God's called me in the ministry just to serve Him and to love neighbor well. So I keep showing up every day in ministry and mission to do at least those two things well. Well, I think you you are doing them well. Odell's going to jump in here in a minute, but I've, I've got to say something. Uh, because <clears throat> on the drive over here, we were talking about uh, what are we going to talk to you about? And uh you know, I, I was born and raised Catholic, went to an all-boys Catholic high school, lived across from the Catholic Church. The priest used to come over and drink uh, whiskey with my dad, and uh, I would see them late at night at my house and then at 6 o'clock at Mass trying to do their Mass. And uh, and I found out they're human beings, just like everybody else. But we didn't Amen. see women in church uh, preaching. It was always men. And then uh, when I became a Christian, um, I went to a number of churches and the current church I'm in, Westover, they don't believe in having female pastors. And I disagree with that. Uh, I think that there are some qualified ladies 
in our church that could preach the wheels off of anybody. And, uh, you know, I, I think that if God, God's word is for everyone, it's not set up that only these people can bring it to you and to a congregation. So uh, I'm on your side, and I, I'm all for this. Uh, I'm probably going to get some phone calls now, and uh, I'll let Odell pick it up from here. <laughs> Thrill the oddball. <laughs> Reverend, this is Odell Cleveland, the good-looking black guy. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, it's interesting. Can I hear your voice? Thank you, thank you. It's interesting when you say you just keep showing up. I love that. I just love the fact that you say, I just keep showing up. I keep showing up serving God. I keep showing up for the young ladies in the crowd to see. I just keep showing up in spite of and because of. I am called by the Most High, and I will keep showing up with His grace and His mercy, and I'm not afraid of man or woman. I just keep showing up for God. Kudos to you. Uh, I'm just sitting in my seat smiling, just loving it. And this is the reason why. Because one of the dirty little secrets in Christendom, if that's uh, the right word to use, or let me just say in the African-American Baptist churches of the world, not all but some, that female pastors are not really celebrated and not really encouraged. Years ago, I got married, fell in love. I got married. Um, like most men, you get married in your wife's or your fiance's church. So I just wanted to get married. And just so happened that her family grew up in a United Methodist church. So South Carolina down the dirt roads, who cares? Hey, I'm in love with this beautiful woman. We're going to get married. And her pastor happens to be female. I didn't care one way or the other. I was a Christian, but that didn't bother me. So we got married. Everybody's in love. Everything's going well. Well, years later, I was in a Baptist church, and I was sitting in Bible study, and the pastor started talking about he didn't believe in female pastors. And I'm saying to myself, hmm. So I raised my hand and let it be known that I love female pastors. I was married by a female pastor. Um, I deem my marriage to be as strong as any other marriage and as me in my house and all that stuff that you say as a young Christian, right? And I got called in the office, you know, two days later saying that, you know, I don't mind you having an opinion, but be careful as an up-and-coming leader in the church that in the middle of Bible study, don't challenge me, the senior pastor, in front of everyone. So, and then I remember in seminary when I was getting my Master's of Divinity degree that some of the young ladies in there had so many struggles. And one young lady in particular, and I won't call her name, but she was an attorney. She graduated from uh, University of Michigan Law School. She can preach the wheels off, smartest person in there, but she would share some of the discrimination. That's the word I'm going to use, discrimination mm -hmm. that happened in God's house. So, Pastor, Reverend, Doctor, we discriminate in God's house. So it's, it's real. Can you share your thoughts on that? And I know I went into this big old long, but, 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 but we have to talk about it. If we shine light on it, then we could deal with it because everything in God's house not always right. And the word says that I'm coming for a church without a spot or wrinkle. And I think some mm -hmm. of this discrimination within the church on female pastors is a spot or at least a wrinkle or maybe both. Your thoughts, please. Well, I remember when I was accepted to seminary, I was at the first job out of college. It was a full-time job at a 
Christian school that was in a denomination that did not accept women in leadership. And I, you know, went in that day sharing how excited I was to be attending Union, and I was called into the principal's office. I wasn't a student, but I was an employee, and I thought this would just be a task that this person needed me to do for um, something for them that day. However, he had his Bible out on his desk, and I thought, oh, he's going to tell me something about his devotional life that he had experienced that day. But he sat me down and turned the Bible to me, and it was to First Timothy chapter 2, and pointed to the verse and quoted it. I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She is to keep silent. And then he continued in the conversation, sharing how I should not be going to seminary for I'm wow. a woman. And I wish that I had the knowledge that I had through seminary and through various experiences over these past 24 years or so to have turned the Bible to the four gospel accounts and shared that there were women that were the first witnesses the resurrection, Hmm. or to Romans chapter 16, where Paul refers to Phoebe as a deacon, and Priscilla and Aquila, who worked alongside Paul in ministry, or 1 Corinthians 11, you know, how Paul's expectations that men and women are to be praying and prophesying in the assembly, Um, even though the women must have had had their head covered during that. We have to realize the cultural basis that women were considered property at this time. And in Christ, Galatians 3.23, there is no male or female. There is no Jew or Gentile. No slave or free. Everyone is seen in the same eyes of Christ. And we're given different gifts. And there are many women within Scripture, Deborah as a judge, Esther as a queen, and possibly even Ruth, we can consider um, a, you know, Moabite woman to be a part of the genealogy of Jesus. All these women are teachers, preachers, leaders within um, our faith in Scripture, and there are women that are leading Today, uh, some that are called by God in churches that accept them, and many women that are called by God in churches that do not accept them. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And you just keep showing up. Another thing about this, Pastor, is this, but it was a female who first carried the word. Who, who first carried the word, who believed. When you look true. at the Bible and all, not all the faith, but majority of faith it is there. So how do we, Bill, how do we, Pastor, how do we, Odell, deal with this within a church that we love? We love, because it's not, it's not, it's not the church per se. It's the individuals in the church. And it's not all, it's some. Because some of the best gifts in the world, but it's like, well, you can only do this or you can only do that. And the non-believers, we go out and we want to witness and we want to show them 
on what's it like to be in the church. And they looking at us and said, but, but Odell, but pastor, I know what you're saying, but look at what you're doing. You know, I, 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 I rather see a sermon than hear one. And what I'm seeing in some cases, not all, but what I'm seeing in churches on how women are not being treated fairly, that caused me some pause. So what's, what's, what's our response as believers and witnesses? That's the word, witness. We want to witness, but other people are witnessing what we're doing. I know as a follower of Christ and as a female pastor, I, I truly find that common ground best in relationship through serving together in mission, uh, grieving during loss, and celebrating in times of joy. And so when we show up, when someone's in pain, or in need, it doesn't matter what we believe, how we vote, what our vaccination status is, is if we show up, the Spirit's going to do the rest. Amen. You have to be present where there is the need, and that's what I have found what works best, is that if people see that you care, uh, some of their previous beliefs get challenged. Yeah. You know, it, it, I like to take things to sometimes extreme to see if they pass the acid test. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example. You're on a battlefield. <clears throat> someone's dying. There's only one person that's a pastor, and that's a female. In some churches, you wouldn't be allowed to pray over that person because you're a female. Mm -hmm. So that, that person would die without someone caring for them and praying with them. I don't think that's right. I think, you know, it doesn't, you hit the nail on the head. It's what the Spirit's done and where the Spirit's being led. Pastor, this is Odell. Let me ask you in a very nice, kind, and gentle way to critique the Bills and the Odells of the world who say that we believe and we support you, but how have your brethren been as supportive within the body of Christ for female pastors? I know you don't speak for all, but can you give us um, some corrective criticism or some feedback, please? Of how to be supportive of female pastors? Yes, and your perspective on have we been supportive or how supportive mm. have we been? In the past 15 minutes, you all have called me pastor more than some people have in my ministry. Wow. Holy cow. Mm. 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 So I think you all are doing a great job. Well. Thank you. You have invited someone to speak knowing that you might get a phone call after this that will be difficult just because of a conversation shared across the miles um, and offering acceptance of one of God's children that has been called to serve him in the world for good not for evil. And that's hard when you show up for someone who is doing good and people still 
do not like that. Mm-hmm. Well, Pastor, um, it's an honor to have you on our show. Um, I want to switch gears on you a minute, but this, you know, this, we can go on this one for a while, but uh, I want to talk to you about your blog because that's, uh, oh. <laughs> you, you, let's go, let's give that a little notoriety. Tell us about the history of it and what the intent is and maybe one interesting person that you've had on besides my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, a few years ago, uh, well, first of all, I'm just passionate about mission and every day I incorporate it in my life in some way. And in my ministry, you know, all the ministries at our church incorporate mission. It's not just the witness or the mission ministry that incorporates mission. Every single ministry does that. Um, Our family, we serve in mission as much as we can in our community and in our nation and world. And, And so a few years ago, I asked over 100 people to define mission in their life. I wanted to sit down with them for coffee and a mission conversation, and I just asked them, how do they weave this into their life? And there are just some amazing people that God has called. They have some amazing stories. These are just ordinary people like house cleaners, firefighters, bake tellers who weave mission into their life every day. And they simply connect their story, their neighbor's story, and God's story into one narrative. And they do it on a daily basis in very ordinary ways at their workplaces, within their homes, and at their churches, as they volunteer in the community, or when they're on a trip. So hopefully one day, all these stories I've collected, along with the stories that I have lived in my life, can be in a book and on a bookshelf in Target. (laughs) But as I wait, um, I would love to continue to share those stories. So uh, weekly on my blog, Holy Hills, because I grew up in Boone. I'm a mountain girl, and now I raise my family and uh, my two girls um, in Fishersville, Virginia, another, another mountain ridge. And my husband and I have um, truly enjoyed getting to serve together as a couple uh, with our family and within our church and our community. So I just keep sharing those stories. And uh, Dory was so gracious to be uh, one of those stories I got to write and tell about as she um, was a mission uh, volunteer through, I guess, the ultimate volunteer as she was a kidney donor. That's correct. Uh, I guess one of my favorite mission um, stories that I have talked to or learned uh, from was from a house cleaner. Um, (laughs) She uh, just is the most joyous person, very similar to what you all are doing today and what you all share on your podcast. When you are around Francine, she eludes joy. You cannot be sad around her. And when she cleans your home, um, these families that I have um, talked with, those are her families too. She prays with them. She goes to their birthday parties. Uh, She she just lives life with them. And uh, her and her sister bake cakes as uh, 
they learn of families in bereavement, and that's their ministry. It's a cake ministry. They go to them, they bring them a cake, they pray with them, and um, they show up. And Francine will, if I post something on social, such as my dog's having a hard day, she'll call me up and pray with me. And I am just blown away by her faith and her presence. And it doesn't matter if I'm a white pastor and she is um, a, a black female and uh, in a denomination that doesn't recognize female pastors. She calls me Pastor April, and she prays for me. Mm. And mm. that means the world to me. Wow. What a great story. So how many blogs do you think you've put in? I started back in March, so I'm just going to keep writing every week and also write for our local newspaper, which has been a great gift since the other four pastors are all male, and so it's been nice to have a female pastor write for a faith column in our local paper. Well, how do our listeners find your blog? Uh, Well, my website is aprilhcranford.com and the blog is on there. It's called Holy Hill and every week it's posted with a new story. This week is for April Dawn White and she is an author friend, a hope writer in our Hope Circle and she has written about how she's taken a unexpected trip through chronic illness and how she has found hope along the way. One of the things mm-hmm. that I thought about while you were speaking and I was listening to you very carefully, the young lady that I referred to earlier in seminary, she was the um, attorney graduated from the University of Michigan, very prestigious uh, school, but a very intelligent young lady. She was stating to me that as a female pastor, she wasn't the senior pastor, but as a female pastor that a lot of the pushback that she received wasn't just from males, but from females also in the church. Can you speak to that? Well, I guess a recent story that I experienced was at a Catholic dedication service. Uh, I'm a part of a pastor group. It's ecumenical. It has a variety of pastors from different denominations and genders and races, and we meet on an ongoing basis. And we worship together, we serve in mission, we celebrate, we um, work on racial reconciliation, and we have mutual support among colleagues. And one of the great things that we get to do is celebrate with one another, and a priest is within our group, and for the past two years, they've been building this amazing, beautiful rock new church building up on a hillside, and um, we have been able to view the building over the past few years where there was an empty sanctuary and then we were able to go in where the pews were in and got to hear scripture and singing through the new sound system and the priest invited us to uh, worship for the dedication service and i didn't think anything about it because that's what we do as colleagues in this pastor if we go and celebrate with one another Well, the closer I got to the service, I started realizing how special it was for this Catholic priest to invite Protestant pastors to a dedication of their church building. 
And he, you know, told us to wear our robes or vestments. And Presbyterians, for some reason, wear black robes, and many other denominations wear white. For example, the Catholics do. And that their members have made homemade vestments. I mean, this was just be- the stoles were beautiful. And he said, you know, just come on in, you know, uh, wear your robe, and then we'll have you uh, with some stoles that are handmade you can wear for the service. So I didn't know quite where we were going to be dressing, so I wore my black robe, and I walked through the building, and I saw this other gentleman. He was in a white robe. I thought, okay, I'm going to follow him. So I followed him into the church, and he went into the chapel. And then I started to follow him, and the greeter, who was a female, she questioned me and said, are you supposed to go in there? And I paused and just thought, oh, I've walked back into this world. Okay, Mm. I'm ready. Mm. And before I said anything, one of our pastor friends um, from the group, Father Benjamin, uh, he was right behind the greeter and said, oh, yeah, she's with us. Come on in. (laughs) So I walked in, and that chapel was filled with male pastors all in white robes. I was the only female clergy in a black robe. (laughs) <laughs> I, I just, oh, I stuck out like a sore thumb. I didn't know what I was going to oh, do. Oh, my I, goodness. It was just, it was too late. I mean, I couldn't, yeah. you know, go back. I don't even have, I don't even own a white robe. Well, uh, so. <laughs> it's interesting um, that what you said. Service. Yes, it's interesting what you said, though, but you keep showing up. White robe, black robe. You just, Pastor April, you just keep showing up. I love it. We're proud of you. Keep at it. Don't give up. And I know you won't. Uh, we're going to have to close out. We've gone through our time and then some, but that's okay. Uh, I'm going to give our website so folks can find uh, this podcast of you uh, and share it with everyone. Uh, it's thecommonground.show. And uh, you can go on and uh, uh, get get our podcast. And then uh, and I'm going to give you the last word pastor well i'm just grateful for you both for um, your friendship how you are entering hard conversations with grace and humor and i pray that this podcast will be a blessing and be a ministry to um, so many people And I am grateful for getting to share some time with you all today. Well, it's been our privilege, and uh, thank you for coming on the show. God bless you. You're welcome. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved. This podcast is proudly sponsored by... 
Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years.